Hello everyone, welcome back to the Early Education Show. We're here now with episode 60. 60, I love these big round numbers, they sound huge. I'm Liam. I'm Lisa. And again, just the two of us this week, unfortunately, Leanne's had another scheduling drama. That woman is in demand, She's Lisa. She's just too busy, isn't she? These important, important people. We're, we're, we're lucky we get her on at all recently, uh, <laughs> to be honest. But um, we're, I'm sure we're, we're uh, pretty sure she'll be back next week. But um, we've got an exciting episode this week. We're going to be talking to uh, Bettina uh, Moltke, who's part of the Big Steps uh, walk-off campaign. So that's going to be a fantastic chat that's happening next Tuesday and we're all I'm sure very excited that this is um, a really big step in the union's campaign for for equal wages for early childhood educators but uh, let's have a quick look at some of the big news items that have been doing the rounds and we might start with um, the news about the the Australian Children's the National Children's Commissioner so Attorney General Christian Porter has announced that National Children's Commissioner Megan Mitchell has been reappointed for a further two years Uh, she started in 2013 um Commissioner Mitchell, which is great news. Commissioner Mitchell said she would focus on creating child-safe organisations and environments and uh, would uh, conduct a review of the state of children's rights in Australia and report to the United Nations on how Australia is meeting its obligations under the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. Do we think that's likely to be a pass or a fail, Lisa? Mm, very hard to argue that you're passing when you've still got so many children in detention, really, isn't it? That is a problem, and issues in youth detention and all those kind of things. Look, I think we should try in the spirit of Leanne not being here, let's say. Look, I think there are some things Australia does well, and we should look at things like the National Quality Framework, which is a bit of an international benchmark now for, for quality provision of early childhood education. It would be just be great if we could get some more children into it, really, and it didn't cost so much. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we should say, you know, for those who aren't familiar with Megan Mitchell, uh, she's been the inaugural Australian Children's Commissioner, a position that started in 2013. So it's really great that uh, her term has been extended. I, two years doesn't seem like a huge amount, though, Lisa, for these kind of positions. So I don't know if there's something going on there, and it may just be that they're looking at... She she may have just asked for two yeah. years only. It's possible, yeah. so we don't know anything about that. I will just go off with some mad conspiracy theories. Yeah, which is how I'd, I do it, but... I'd just like to say that I think she's a really wonderful um, children's commissioner. Remember, we interviewed her for a very, very early edition of the podcast. Um, but I also just love watching her interacting with children. She's great. She's one of the most natural you know, people in any of those roles that I see. Yeah. So. She's clearly um, had some experience working with young children. And early childhood educators and leaders might remember, uh, this may have been 2014, I think, or actually maybe in her first year, 2013, she did something called The Big Banter, which was about uh, bringing in comments from children, including children under the age of five, uh, providing direct feedback to her on um, how they thought their rights were being upheld at children's, uh, in, in, in society in Australia, which was a great a great sort of thing to do. So congratulations to Commissioner Mitchell and um, we, we look, it's still a, a goal of ours to get her on for a longer interview on the podcast. I think uh, I think that's on my homework to-do list. So leave that one with me. Um, we also just wanted to comment, and this is some sort of United States focused news, but still really important, uh, that the, the news came through, unfortunately, that Dr. T. Barry Brazelton passed away at home just before his 100th birthday. Now, his name wasn't hugely familiar with me until I read some of his work, but um, he was a giant in the field of early childhood development in the United States um, and was a founder of the National Centre for Clinical Infant Programs, which was later renamed with the slightly uh, nicer title of 023. 
and uh, devoted his life to studying, nurturing and advocating on behalf of babies, toddlers and their families. And uh, we'll include a link to the, the, the really lovely tribute that the organisation gave to him and that he was about two months off his 100th birthday, which is pretty amazing, but um, a real amazing advocate for, for really young children. Did you uh, did you ever in your study, Liam, look at some of his videos of him, like working with young children and talking to parents about their children? No, I've got to say that I, the, I, I for some reason it's just passed me by. I knew about zero to three, and they they particularly just as a resource, which they have a lot of online free resources. But um, I don't think I ever came across. Um, uh, Dr. Brazelton specifically, which I feel sad oh, about. Oh, that's yeah, that is sad. Um, I'll, I'll try and find you, and then you can put it onto the podcast thing. Some of these videos that I've seen that are just like he's just one of those men that got children. Yeah, <laughs> we need more of those. And um, I've learned a lot about early childhood development from reading and watching his stuff. Yay. So maybe it's something that I got as a parent. Maybe. Well, yeah, it could be. But um, it, it, I think what we might say is obviously Lisa and I will have our individual recommendations uh, right at the end, but we might include a more general podcast recommendation for some of those videos if we can track them down, Lisa. Yep, for sure. So what we'll do now is we'll take a, a, a quick break where we're going through quickly today. We're going to be back with uh, the fantastic educator Bettina Moltke. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but we're going to be talking about the Big Steps, uh, Big Walk-Off Day next Tuesday. So stay with us and we'll be right back. All right, we're joined now by Bettina Molke, I hope I'm pronouncing your surname pr- properly. Bettina. Very close. Very close. Molka. Molka. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the Early Education Show, Bettina. Thank you for having me. So, Bettina, do you want to uh, introduce yourself and your role? Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm Bettina Molka, and I, um, I'm the lead organiser with the Big Steps campaign. I'm uh, really lucky to be working with educators right across New South Wales to develop a really strong campaign to get this government of ours to fund professional wages for early childhood education. Yay, such a good goal. <laughs> so, Bettina, tell us about the Big Steps walk-off. What, um, you know, what is it and what are you hoping to achieve? It's, a, it's very exciting, actually. We've had three so far. Um, the walk-offs are an opportunity for educators to tell the government that um, if they're not going to listen to all the nice work that the Big Steps educators have been doing, they'll take it to the streets. So uh, educators have made decisions to uh, close their centres early. Uh, Some centres are closing for the full day um, with support of parents and their local communities to uh, show the government that they mean business about um, having the conversation with decision makers about funding, doing the responsible thing and funding uh, early childhood wages. It, it's, it's fantastic and it's great that it, um, I think one of, one of the things looking back has been this great progression of escalating action with the Big Steps campaign. I've been um, going to show my time in the sector now, but I, you know, I've been <laughs> probably looking with the Big Steps campaign since about 2005 or so. Um, and it's been, it's been great to watch it sort of slowly grow and slowly increase um, despite a lot of you know, setbacks politically. And those kind of yeah. things. So, um, yeah. you know, it's great to see yeah. that. And and we would assume as well, uh, Bettina, that there'd be, I, I assume there's more actions probably already being planned 
down the pipeline <laughs> yeah. as well. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's for sure. Um, and and you're right. Educators have been really committed to um, to organising themselves to to put forward a really strong campaign, and that that does take you know peaks and troughs and and long term commitment. Um, we're at a point now where educators are saying, you know, we, we can't keep asking nicely. You know, we, we've got to step this up. And you're right, Liam, it's it's a groundswell um, and a movement of educators who, who are simply saying, you know, enough's enough. Um, this is a, a really exciting time. And, and if I can use this opportunity to to make a bit of a call of call to action, we've got so many people supporting the Big Steps campaign. Um, we'd love every educator that's been following it on Facebook or um, or being part of smaller actions in their local communities to really step up and, and come and join us. Yeah, absolutely. And do What are you actually asking educators to do? Um, so there's a million ways um, educators are being involved with their campaign and it varies, you know. it's um, We've got... Like I said, uh, on one side, on one side of the scale, educators that are closing their centres for the whole day and uh, having their parents support them in doing that—that's a—that's a huge step for educators to do that uh, with their commitment to the families and to the children. Um, we've got some centres on the other side of the scale that are choosing to have a day in blue, um, where their centres are standing in solidarity of the of the um, educators that are walking off, and. Um, and having those conversations within their centres. We've got um, great uh, events happening this year um, in metro areas um, and across Australia. And that, that's the, the real ask, is that educators, no matter what their involvement has been in the past, that they come along to these events and, and support um, the educators that have walked off um, and to engage with the community and the supporters that will also be there. So what? What? Are, where are those events? What? Uh, there are many. There are many. Um, where do we find that, out about? Them? So, so have our, the Big Steps Facebook page um, has every event listed under their events section, and you can RSVP on that page, and it'll have details where they are uh, in every major capital city and uh, regional areas. We have one in Wollongong, one in Newcastle here in New South Wales. Um, and our, our major event this year is in Trades Hall um, in Sussex Street here in the city, Yay. which is a um, yeah a pretty historic building for the union movement and for equality more broadly. So I think Bettina, one of the things that's really stood out to me is a bit different with uh, this iteration of the the, um, the you know the walk off and the the closing of centres is that uh, there's been a big focus I think on uh, marketing and sharing this with families. So it's obviously keep it's it's called you know keep your children home day, which is obviously the, the mm-hmm. focus there is on uh, families. So can you tell mm-hmm. us a bit about why that's been the sort of decision to I guess not shift the focus. The focus is always on educators, but really sort of move that that message going directly to families. Yeah, yeah, it's actually really exciting. Um, the amount of parent support we've had for uh, supporting educators and, and registering on the Keep Your at Home, Children at Home uh, website page has been phenomenal. Uh, part of the campaign over all those years <laughs> we've been we've been fighting is that um, we've been having conversations with parents about how important it is that um, we engage together as a collective, educators and parents together. Um, 
you know, having that conversation uh, politically about what, what that means in our local communities with our local MPs um, without um, taking too much away from the educators, there's, there's no doubt that the pressure on parents um, to pay uh, such high fees for really high quality early childhood education is at breaking point. Um, and we've had educators on low wages subsidising the lack of funding for so long. It is a, um, an absolute obvious partnership to have parents and educators standing together to um, ensure that we continue to maintain the level of quality early childhood education we have in this country. But that needs to be funded by the government. No one else can do that. So it's, it's a, uh, a force to be reckoned with, with parents and educators together. And it's really exciting to see how on board parents are. For sure it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but many parents don't exactly understand why they pay such high fees. So why are educator wages low? Do you ever get asked that question? Because I get asked it a lot. How do you yeah. answer it? Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I guess it, it comes down to uh, who's having that conversation. But, I, I mean, I see it as... Um, the government funds so very little into early childhood education, far below most um, most other countries with uh, uh, strong education, early childhood education um, systems. What what happens is the parents pay really high fees, the educators pay very low fees, and the government gets out with paying nothing. So um, I think parents are really shocked when they hear that educators are being paid so poorly and their fees are so high. Um, and it comes down to the fact that the government is refusing to have a conversation about funding and relieving that pressure on both educators and families. So, Bettina, in, sense, in terms of, um, you sort of said this is, you know, really be this is a national event. We're going to be seeing lots of, uh, lots of involvement. Do you have a bit of a sense of um, how many educators or services are going to be involved? And you mentioned also the support from families. Are you able to give us a sort of an mm. idea of, of how much support uh, has, been, has been obtained there? Yes, yeah, so we have um, uh, we have fielding calls every day of centres that are still wanting to be involved in the walk-offs, um, which is hugely exciting for us. Um, that momentum keeps building. So trying to give you a final number on that is a little bit difficult at this stage, but those numbers um, will be finalised um, towards the end of this week. Now, like I said before, these all these centres that are walking off have uh, majority support of parents committing to come along and pick their children up uh, either early or keep their children at home, but also attend the events. So you can imagine um, how many parents at each centre. It's a huge number. For sure. Are you, are you, are you, is your background in early education? Are you a, a, an educator or a teacher? It is indeed. Yep. Um, Do you get disappointed I, then that it's, still not everybody that are involved yeah yeah absolutely I uh I feel that a lot of educators are so busy um upholding their profession and the level of quality that they are providing in early childhood education and care that sometimes the um the understanding of how important it is to advocate for yourself gets lost um and uh the, the groundswell, the movement seems to have a shift of, of educators deciding, you know what, if I want to keep providing quality early childhood education, I do need to stand up for myself. 
I do need to make a stand against um, the, you know, the lack of conversation that the government's having. Yeah, I do. I get I, I get frustrated all the time, but I'm also very, very passionate about early childhood education. And I, I believe 100% that um, it does take a long time, but um, with a increase in the momentum for the Big Steps campaign, we will get there. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I was just looking at some of the posts on Facebook and like I think the biggest post in the last few weeks has got 300 um, odd likes. And when you think that, I've forgotten what the exact figure is of how many educators there are in Australia, but it's in that yeah. like 200,000 or something. Is that right mm -hmm. or have I made yeah. that up? Well, yeah, we have, I mean, we have 40,000 educators um, constantly looking at the Big Steps page. Uh, and, um, you know, if we had 40,000 uh, educators attending these actions and events this year, it would be a, a fabulous moment, wouldn't it? It sure would. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, again, it's a, it, is a, it is a call to action. I mean, we can't keep asking nicely and and there comes a time where every educator is is going to have to reflect on what their profession looks like in five years' time, and and that it might seem like a long road to follow, but it'll it'll go in it in an instant. And if we don't utilise the time we have to really join together as a collective and be involved, actively involved in the Big Steps campaign, um, we're not, um, you know, leaving leaving a great legacy for, for our children to enter such a really wonderful profession. We need, we need to, you know, we, educators are the only people that are going to do this. So, so you're right, it's, it's, now is the time. <laughs> yeah, I've just checked. There's 195,000 educators. So a lot of educators aren't involved, aren't, you know, being involved in this and that. Oh, that makes me sad, so I'd hate to be you. <laughs> yeah, one, of the, one of the things I'd, I'd sort of add here and point out is it's always, you know, and this has always been one of the big challenges with the with the campaign and, and with, with encouraging greater union membership, which, you know, to me is an absolute is an absolute must. We wouldn't be having to do these kind of things if we had such a strong union of, of educators that were sort of bashing down the door and demanding things. But, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's in a context where people are, you know, poorly paid, they're working crazy shifts. So the ask for people to contribute financially and contribute um, in terms of additional time is always going to be a big ask. Now, I always think mm. that, that that doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. It just we need to acknowledge that it's hard. What I would put out as a bit of a challenge or a bit of a call to those who are in, uh, you know, more senior leadership roles, so people who aren't working directly with children anymore and those levels that are above a centre director to really think, are you a member of the union? You know, I've, I haven't worked directly with children uh, since, you know, probably about four or five years and I'm still a member of United Voice and I always will be. And are I, you an early childhood teacher, Liz? I am a teacher, but I don't, but, but Lisa, I'm in one of these ridiculous made up roles that gets to sit around in an office all day thinking and <laughs> writing and, and, and not doing the work that educators and teachers do every day. No, no, no. I was just questioning what union you were a member and maybe we should do this while we've got one union on the line. Well, I <laughs> well, must say, United Voice is the union that supports all educators <laughs> in every qualification level. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lisa, I'm I'm happy to say, and I don't, we probably don't want to get into this debate with Paul Patina right now. I've I've been asked regularly if I will join 
the IEU or the AEU, and my answer has always been as much as I respect the work that those people do. My answer is no, I work in the, the early childhood education and care sector alongside educators. I want to be part of a union that's going to help them uh, be that, that get the win for professional wages. It's not to say those other organs don't do incredible, fantastic work, but my, my, my commitment to that fight is to remain with, with United Voice. But I would really say if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't work directly with children anymore, but you work um, either managing or leading or supporting educators who do so and you're not a member of United Voice, um, you have even less excuse than those people uh, doing that incredible work every day. So I would be really suggesting that um, you, you, you sign up and take part in these campaigns because it's a lot easier for you to do so than, than those working directly in, in centres. Wow, that's a, that's a great call out. Thank you very much for that, Liam. And and I'm sure educators would be appreciating that all across Australia. Um, Tim, what's um, UB's next step? Like after, you know, the walk-off has happened, will it be mm-hmm. another court case or...? Where yeah. Was... So, um, so the, the Fair Work Commission did um, throw out our case in February, February the 6th, to be precise, this year. Um, on a technicality, uh, it was really, really disappointing for um, the campaign. The Fair Work Commissioner dragged that out for over six years uh, and then um, had thrown it out without even hearing from one single educator about what it means to live on uh, uh, educators' wages. Um, but we do know, regardless of what the Fair Work Commission would have ruled, um, the government still would have had to commit to funding early childhood education. So essentially, since since the the ERO case, um, not too much has changed in the next steps. We are, are sick of asking nicely, hence the walk-offs, and the escalation is really an opportunity to show uh, the government that we're not slowing down, and this hasn't um, this hasn't knocked us back by any means. Um, after the walk-off, there's some really exciting things happening, actually. Um, straight after, on the 28th of March, educators are getting on a plane and they're heading down to Canberra. Um, I don't know if um, they'll even take their Big Steps T-shirts off while they uh, <laughs> get down there and mine the uh, halls of Parliament House. Um, they're going to be talking with crossbenchers, shadow ministers, um, federal ministers responsible for early childhood education and care. Um, demanding that they do the responsible thing and make a commitment to speak with educators and and have a conversation about how to how to seriously fund uh, wages. This this can't go on forever. They can't hide behind the Fair Work Commission anymore. This is the government has an opportunity to to make a decision about this with or without the courts. Um, and educators are are demanding that. Um, Ministers, MPs in their local areas support their community, support their educators and stand in Parliament House and, and stand with uh, the Big Steps campaign. That's great. and it's good. Yeah, and look, and, and it's fantastic um, to hear that political action and engagement by, by educators. That's, um, that, yeah. that's always yeah. so fantastic. So, you know, Bettina, you know, obviously, the, as you've just said, the aim for this has to be that uh, the funding for professional wages has to come from government, uh, you know, not to ask a, a leading question, but do you think there's any chance of persuading the current conservative government to to uh, to fund that increase? 
<laughs> yes, that's a, a tough one, isn't it? I mean, we all know the platforms that our current government stand for, and education doesn't seem to be high on that list. Um, what they do listen to is votes. And what we have to understand is even though we are in a pretty tough political climate with our current government, uh, we do have a federal election coming up. Um, and educators are going to have an opportunity to advocate for the value of their profession, you know, at the highest level. So going to Canberra and having those conversations. But also, like we were discussing before, this, this is about educators working with parents and visiting their local MPs uh, in their local areas and really engaging um, with those people to, to understand that this is a serious voting issue for, for most of their community. Um, and yeah, it's a tough it's a tough gig. But one thing they do listen to is people power. And uh, as long as we can keep building the momentum that we are now, um, yeah, they, they're up for a bit of a fight. So do you get a bit of a sense, Bettina, that there's a hope that the the federal Labor Party will, will take on this issue? Because you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, uh, what what sort of terrifies politicians into action is is votes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is there is, is there a hope that, you know, the, the Labor Party would look at taking on this issue? And um, they, they did have an attempt back in 2013, yeah. which, uh, you yeah. know, uh, some people liked, some people didn't. Um, mm. you, you know, is that is that something that we're hoping that maybe, um, you know, Labor might take on this challenge? Oh, I mean, absolutely. We're, we're hoping any, any um, both sides of government commit to taking on this challenge. Um, the, the, the Labor... Um, you know the MPs and um, uh, the goodness the opposition um, members of Parliament. They they've all been having conversations throughout this time, so they haven't been left out of the conversation uh, during the current Liberal government's term in in um, in office. Um, so that that work that educators have been doing has been across parties. So absolutely, it's it's both sides' responsibility to take a take a stand and make a commitment to early childhood education. But didn't the ALP um, you know, get, catch such a bucketing for how they did it and the last yeah. time, just before the Conservative government got elected? Wouldn't they be a bit wary of going there again? <laughs> Hopefully they've had a think about it. Uh, how important it is for educators. There, there's, a, there's a way of doing it. Governments do have an ability to, to put forward a, a model that's, um, that's going to be satisfactory for educators to, to get that financial security and that professional value that they need. They're, that's their job. They need to make policy that's going to work for the people. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously um, it's, it, it's imperative that they take up the plight of the educators to support an early childhood system that's going to going to reward the children that are that are going through it. Um, so yeah, but surely that would be a lot easier for them if you won a fair work work case, uh, proving yeah yeah oh, yeah yeah. I, I guess there's there's different models of putting that forward, but at the end of the day, that whoever is in government does have an opportunity to. Um, make a decision outside the court, similar to, you know, the, the Labor government attempting, or having a crack at it uh, last time they were in office. Um, we need to be engaging with, with the decision makers about what the best way of doing this is. There's been 
attempts and those attempts haven't necessarily worked out for the best. Um, the Labor government has made those attempts, which is something that um, that can be built on, I guess. Yeah, I, I really hope the lesson for the for the Labor Party from the uh, early years quality fund isn't that that was the wrong, uh, there wasn't a problem worth solving, just that they went about it in a quite very strange yeah, yeah. and odd way. I would yeah. hope they've learnt that that was a good thing yeah. to try and just yeah. do something that's a bit more equitable yeah. for everyone. They had, they had a crack. They it was crack. good, but yeah, <laughs> we, we need to really develop that uh, and continue the campaign with the knowledge we have now and moving forward. Exactly. So, Bettina, I know we sort of talked about this sort of right at the start, but it might be good to just summarise it a bit at the end. So, Big Steps Walk Off Day is uh, is next Tuesday. So, Tuesday, Tuesday the twenty seventh of, yep. of March. So, um, what are you know what are the what are the things that we want to be seeing? Uh, how can educators get involved? How can services get involved? How can families get involved? You know, what are the key things you want to be leaving people with at the end of this chat? Yeah. And, but, and Bettina, can I just also ask, especially, can you concentrate on? What the educator that's in a service that that isn't particularly political, that nobody else is doing something, but they personally want to get involved? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So firstly, um, join your union. <laughs> join the Big Steps <laughs> campaign. Be, be part of it. Um, the... Uh, the collective in, in all of us being union members is, is essentially the only way we're going to win this. Um, we have an incredible... Uh, moment in time here where the, the walk-off events are the biggest they've ever been um, and educators can show their support by um, uh, uh, attending the events that are happening outside of uh, the time that they'd be working at the centres um, and also sending messages of solidarity um, on our Facebook page. We, we need to create that buzz, we need to create that momentum and everyone's going to have an opportunity to be part of that um, this time round by attending events and um, yeah, being being part of our online uh, solidarity movements that will be happening on the day. Wonderful. Well, Bettina, we wish you all the best in in all the work you'll be doing in New South Wales on the Tuesday. And we we like, like we just hope it's you know a roaring success and we can start changing uh, some of those you. politicians' we hope, minds. We hope to see you guys there at the uh, community event. Um, so, yeah, come if you can make it. And to all the educators that are listening and to everybody that works in early childhood education, um, this is really a, a chance to, to get off that fence and come and, and do something that's really going to have a great impact on um, pushing our campaign forward. Mm-hmm. So if I, I encourage everyone, if you can come along, please do. Well, and I... you've got merchandise for sale as well, haven't you? Lash T-shirts and mugs <laughs> and things like that. Absolutely. You can get your hands on those on the Big Steps uh, Facebook page as well. Wonderful. Cool. Well, Bettina, <laughs> thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for Bettina for joining us. Uh, really, you know, fantastic event. I'm, I'm particularly just really grateful. This is a big, big step forward for the campaign. Uh, pun, in, pun not intended, I promise. Uh, but obviously, you know, Leanne, Lisa, and I speaking on behalf of the entire show, huge supporters of, of this move, and we hope it's a really big success on Tuesday. Let's move on to our recommendations uh, for the week. So obviously, we'll have a general podcast recommendation of um, some of the. Uh, fantastic videos from uh, Dr. Brazelton. But um, Lisa, what else are you going to send to people's reading lists this week? 
Okay, so mine is a report called What Lies Beneath. And What Lies Beneath is a report put out by... Oh, this is embarrassing. I've I've got no idea who it's put out by. I think it's the Um, Children's Children's Rights Rights Information Network. Oh, thank you, Liam. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it's some... The 2018 report, and someone tweeted it this week, and I picked up on it and went, this is amazing. I loved its very first line, which says, to whom it may concern, this is not an annual report. So forget the summary of what we've been up to or the impact assessment showing how great we are. None of this changes the world we live in for the better. So why continue doing it? Don't get us wrong. This isn't defeatism. It's a new vision. And so rather than going through the, you know, we had this many people do this and we made this much money, etc., it just explores children's rights. And um, it starts off with a wonderful quote, which I hope I can um, uh, read, which is, hope is, hope is an embrace of the unknown and the unknowable an alternative to the certainty of both optimists, calling out to you, Leanne, and pessimists, us. Optimists think it will all be fine without our involvement. Pessimists take the opposite position. Both excuse themselves from acting. It is the belief that what we do matters, even though how and when it may matter, who and what it may impact, are not things we can know beforehand. History is full of people whose influence was most powerful after they were gone. That was a quote by Rebecca Solnit. But on to the main purpose of the report, or the main thing that I got, um, that I found was most interesting, was a whole section where they said that children should have suffrage. Why don't we give them um, the right to vote? What do, you know... What reasons do we have to exclude them from the voting process and are they real? So, for example, you know, that children don't understand politics. And as they've said, neither do many adults. So I'd like to urge everyone to read it because I think it's a wonderful publication. Yeah, this is fantastic. I had no idea um, this information existed. And I should just correction, it's the Child Rights International Network. Um, but this, it is, uh, frankly, incredible. Um, I don't want to get too much into it beyond what Lisa said, but really worth uh, checking out. I'm going to say, if you check it only, one of, one, of, one of our recommendations is make it this one because it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. I'm, I'm looking forward to I've only flicked through it. I'm going to um, have a good look at it properly at work tomorrow. Um, and then my recommendation, uh, just quickly, is an article from The Guardian in the UK. Um, again, I've got a history now of, representing, of uh, recommending things with unfortunate titles, um, but the article itself is quite good. So the article is called Child Rearing is Too Important to be Left to the Market. I really hate that term, child rearing. But, um, but the, the, the subheading is so much better, which is we know that early years intervention works better in the public sector. You can't monetize everything. And I think this is almost like a part two to your recommendation uh, last week, Lisa, about neoliberalism. It's a really interesting look at uh, UK policy and how this this need for turning things over to the market and everything has to be a product, you know, make a profit and everything has to have a value. Um, and I might just do a quick quote myself from right at the end, which is, um, if we accept that the public sector does this best, why do we endlessly scratch around for the proofs to satisfy the market? We should instead work 
to the principles of cooperation that preschool children get the greatest benefit from universal provision and the proof of its excellence is that everyone wants to use it. Um, but it really gets Yay. into some, yeah, it really gets into some of the things about social justice and just really pushing back on this idea that um, all this stuff can and should be provided by the market. Uh, it really shouldn't. And we we and I think I tweeted this out saying we have to begin having this conversation in Australia. We're not even raising these questions. So I would be very happy if that's something we could do in the next little while. I think you and I raise them on a daily basis, Liam. The problem is is that just nobody listens to us. Yes, yeah, just gets very cranky when we dare to. To, to say things should maybe be done a little bit better. Uh, but that's it for another week. Thank you for being with us. We hope uh, if you're in a, a, a centre that's lucky enough to be able to take part in walk-off day that you have a fantastic day. We will be uh, cheering with you as you uh, raise your voices to those people we hope will will listen in the, in the federal parliament. But until we're back next week, it's goodbye from me. And from me. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Leah McNicholas and produced by Leah McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com and while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.